2024 is off to an amazing start. And I realized that I did not have Robert, aka Rob Berry, on the podcast before. And I was like, what the heck? So we're going to start really quickly, Robert, with um, a speed round. When you hear the word fraud, what do you think of? Jail. Ooh, okay. Ethics. Angel. Oh, that's interesting. And then my final question, which you probably know, who makes better embezzlers, men or women? Oh, let's see. Men do it more often, but women do it better. Yes. Okay. I love it. Okay. And I did not coach him on that, but he's seen, we hung out so much. He knows. Okay. Robert Berry, who is um, his tagline on LinkedIn. And I have a little LinkedIn envy because you are so good on it, but his tagline is I help auditors become awesome. Now say you're going to a cocktail party and someone's like, Hey Rob, tell me about yourself. What do you do? Okay, here's your spiel. Well, I say I help auditors become awesome. And And then I tell them, how do I do that? Well, you see, I've been an auditor for quite some time, and I know I don't look or sound or act like one. But I used to think that auditors were these charismatic people and that they were the life of the party. And then I realized it was just me. And so now I teach other people how to do just that. (laughs) And and. You know, one of the things that I love about Rob is questions. Let's talk questions. You're a good questionator. Questioner. What is the word? We'll go with questionator. It just reminds me of Terminator. I like that. Yeah, you're a questionator. Um, You're curious, aren't you? Yeah, about everything. Yeah. So how did you? Oh, go ahead. Uh, Well, I think I was about to answer your question about how did I get to be so curious? Yes. Okay, so, you know, it's really interesting and it kind of makes me a little sad and a little glad at the same time. But you know how when you're a kid, you always ask questions because you want to figure out how things work. And my my parents and my grandparents they fed the curiosity, especially my grandmother. Whenever I would ask questions, she would make me figure things out. However, the neighborhood I grew up in, around your friends, you would be ridiculed and just call names whenever you ask questions. It was the shaming and blaming tactics. And so I thought something was wrong with me for a long time, you know, because I asked a whole lot of questions. But I really like to figure out how stuff worked. So for a while, it it kind of just became suppressed. And then I think by the time I got in high school, I was trying to figure life out. And I started asking certain questions in life. And I was like, wait a minute. These people had no idea what they were talking about. Whatever was the issue, it wasn't me. It was them. And that's when it really triggered like, oh, you should ask questions in life and you should try and figure stuff out. But for a while, it was it was pretty bad because I literally would take stuff apart just to put it back together if there was a problem coming along, I was trying to figure it out. Like, I'll give you an example. One time I had a friend that tried to scam me and it was with the pyramid scheme. And um, it was one of those things where they had this, this group where you would put money into a pot 
And then at some point, your name would rise to the top of a pyramid and then you would get paid out money when it was your turn. And I remember when the guy approached me and asked me about it and I started asking a whole lot of questions like, what is this? How does this work? And I remember saying to him, at some point you would run out like there's. Oh, I forgot where I was. So, <laughs> that was my fault oh, I know. because my dog barked. No, so I know. So so yeah, so I had a friend that tried to scam us in a pyramid scheme. And it was one of those schemes where everybody put money into a pot and then the more people that put money in, some people started to draw money out. And literally he kept track of the names on a pyramid. And every time someone joined, your name moved up. And I remember I said to him, I said, well, how does this work? And he explained it. And I said, well, but at some point, the people on the bottom aren't going to get their money back. Like, that, this doesn't make sense to me. And that's when he started telling me I didn't know what I was talking about. And I was just a naysayer. And I always had to try and think all logically and stuff like that. And, you know, so I didn't put any money in. And then a few months later, other friends who did got mad because they lost money. And so that was kind of like the resurgence of, okay, wait a minute. It's not me. Like these are people who are trying to manipulate you. And that's when I started formulating some of the opinions that I have even to this day, like people who don't want to answer your questions are either doing it because they don't know or because they're trying to manipulate you. It's one or the other. So, have you ever had a boss who doesn't didn't like to ask questions because they were embarrassed to even have to ask the question? You know, I think that's another place where I became real fortunate in my career. I've never had a boss like that. Ooh, you're lucky. Yeah, I, I was I very fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's kind of amazing. I had a boss who didn't like to ask questions because he thought it made him look stupid. And then a woman in audit said to me, she's like, you know, he never asked questions. And I'm like, because he does. He doesn't want people to think to understand that he doesn't know the answer. And the fact that he even asked the question. So I know you've been really good about questions um, and making sure that we ask questions. Auditors ask questions. It's a real skill. My dad called it being Snoopy. I like to say curious, <laughs> but um, it is a really, it, it, it's a real skill. And actually, um, have you, I, I'm showing Rob a book right now. Did you read this yet? The Michael Lewis going infinite? No, I did not. Oh, I have oh. not. The Sam Bankman Freed. It's all about the Sam Bankman Freed scandal. And, right. um, you know the guy, John Ray, who did Enron? Yep. Okay, so he's undoing FTX. And there's a section at the back of the book. And by the way, I don't know why Michael Lewis, he got a lot of crap for this book. I still enjoyed the book. I mean, I think he's an amazing um, writer. And I understand why he got a lot of crap for it. But so you have this guy, John Ray. And some of the people at FTX wanted to help. And he's like, why would I listen to them? And it was, and, and I'm actually going to be doing a LinkedIn post, which will probably come out sooner than the podcast is. But it was like, my thing is, why wouldn't you listen to them? Yep. These are the people that like were in FTX. And so, and, and 
This is a guy who actually probably, you know, I'm joking here, Kelly's weird humor, doesn't get on Facebook, doesn't know what crypto is, like literally didn't know what crypto was. And then people are like, hey, I'd like to talk with you. And he's like, not talking with you. And I don't think you would ever do that to anyone, would you? You you can't. So I've, I've seen some of what he said, and he said it was one of the worst frauds he's ever seen. And he said it was worse than Enron. I would question, does he really know how bad it is if he didn't talk to the people who were actually there when it was happening? Yeah. So if he thinks that it is bad, it's probably worse than he thinks it is. But yeah, I, I think you, you have to get all of the, the parts of the story. And a part of that is because within every lie, there's still some truth. Right. So I don't care how much you lie. You're going to weave some truth in. But also people's lies give you some insight into their motivation, too. OK, so I'm going to read this quote because. This is like, and I think that I, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I know you would never do this. Um, he says, quote, for the first time in his life, everyone ignores the fact that he's a bleeping, I'm not saying it, weirdo, said Ray. As an example, he cited the dollars Sam had invested in AI companies. He gave 500 million bucks to this thing called Anthropic. Now, Anthropic is worth a ton of money. And I just... I. So, like, people have a real trouble with this book. I have a real trouble with they got someone who I don't think knew even what questions to ask. And here he had people who wanted to help, but he didn't even know the questions. So I don't think he wanted to ask them. I, I think you might be right, because I didn't know he invested in Anthropic. Yep. It's worth a lot huh. of money. Yeah. It's, it, the dude... SBF, he was, he is awkward, true. Um, but he made some smart investments, some smart investments with other people's money. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know what? So when you look at it, what's really interesting about it is even after he was caught, I don't know if you've seen the uh, Twitter exchange between him and the reporter. Yeah. So if you look at the Twitter exchange, he really thinks that he was doing the right thing and that he still has a chance to redeem himself. Here's someone that actually don't does not understand the consequences of his actions. I don't even think he understands how bad uh, what he did really is. Yeah. So. But, yeah, I. <laughs> I, I think I think if you had. um done the unwinding or the auditing of FTX and people are like, Hey, I want to talk to you. I think you would have said, yeah, let's talk. Um, yeah. But it's interesting. The universe it's, didn't want to talk. In my previous roles, I used to meet people um, off site. I've, I've met people at so many grocery store parking lots <laughs> and fast food restaurants. And sometimes they just want to talk. And then every once in a while, you get like a little sliver of information. You'll let somebody talk for like an hour and only maybe two minutes may be relevant to you. But sometimes people just want to be heard. I remember I remember this one time this guy came to us and he was um, he was mad. And this is 
small thing, but he was mad because he didn't like the department he was working in. He was a maintenance guy. And he said that his boss always took the car off premises and would take it home during the day. And at night he'd be in some unsavory places that he wasn't supposed to be at. And he said that his boss's boss just dismissed his claims. And so he wanted to come into my office and talk to me. So I let him come into my office. And as he was talking to me, I remember I asked him, I said, well, how do you know that he's taking the car off site? And he said, because I have evidence. And I'm thinking, okay, what kind of evidence do you really have of this? He said, well, I have a photo. And I was like, okay, well, but how do we know that it was his car? How do we know this young man activated the geotagging on his cell phone? So you had the time and date stamp as well as the location. Then he also went back to the office and saw you had to sign out each car every day. So he saw who had signed out that car that day. And he had a photo, a photograph of the log showing that it was signed out to his boss. So I was like, oh, OK. And so I asked him, I said, did you show this to your boss? He said, yeah, but they didn't want to listen to me. It's like, oh, OK. So we compiled all the evidence and turned it over to the appropriate people in HR. But I think if you listen to people, you find out a bunch of different things and you start putting the pieces of the story together. My grandfather used to tell me, I used to think he was crazy when he would say it, but he, he used to say, I want you to listen to what people do. I'm like, listen to what they do. What the, what the heck is that? But I get it now. Okay, so along those lines, and I've heard you talk about your grandparents before when we've been hanging out and stuff like that. So I'm going to say you kind of had a typical audit career until you didn't. Yeah. And I will also say that Rob is um, one of the hardest working, um, speaking, teaching, uh, social media people out there. And you've had to really pivot. And it was kind of forced on you, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think so. I think when you have any type of audit or compliance role, you have to have a set of values that you stand by. And and certain people will challenge those values and you can either bend and you can either bend to the corporate will or you can continue to live by whatever the truth is. Um, and I don't mean my truth or their truth. I mean, the truth with a capital T H E. And so, yeah, I had to pivot big time. And that's where I had to ask myself, what skills do you have that you can put out in the marketplace? So, um, and then I started thinking, well, I've been doing this training thing on the So, okay, let me just start at the beginning. So, so, so imagine, imagine having a job where, you are a chief auditor and you've been doing it for so long. And then all of a sudden, now you don't have a job as a chief auditor. And then all of a sudden, a global pandemic comes because your side hustle, your side job was a an in-person speaker and trainer. And so you start doing that right before the pandemic. And you're like, OK, I can do this. This is going to be OK. And then all of a sudden, pandemic comes. You have to have some hard discussions with yourself. And the first question I ask myself is, what can I offer the world? Like, what do I have of value? And my answer was, I'm a good trainer. And so then I asked myself, how do you train in the middle of a pandemic? Like, what 
what does that even look like? And so the answer to that was you need to learn social media and how to do live streaming. Like there's no option. And so then I said, well, what do you do with that? Well, you got to try and get some business. So maybe you need to start posting on LinkedIn. So I figured out how to write real well. I figured out how to do graphic design and I figured out how to do live streaming. And fortunately, that helped me to bring in some clients. But life is all about a series of questions. That's all it is. What can you do now in order to make an impact and to help you? So um, so you had the side hustle that was going and then the pandemic hits. Um, and, you know, a lot of people talk about having a side hustle, I, I think, as auditors at some point, an auditor is going to, as I call it, step in it. And, you know, you can either stay in the goo or you can walk away for the, your the truth. Um, what would you recommend to people if they because the, I, I kind of think people. It doesn't the door just doesn't open to stepping in it. It's a slow door to open. So as the door is slowly opening and you see that, you know, um, you know, I'm going to say the business sees audit as a cost center. And you're like, well, if I step in it, they're going to easily justify, you know, well, we're we're cutting back on cost centers, especially with the, quote, economy that we're in, which, you know, lots of people are getting laid off right now. Um, yeah. But what is the best advice that you can give to people if they're going to, like, the door is opening or you know what? They just want to change. So what is the best, like three things? I'm going to, I love the power of three, the best three things you can do as an auditor to protect yourself, your livelihood, your sanity. Ooh, now those are different things altogether. You know, so whether, whether auditor or not, I, hmm, I believe that everybody has something um, beneficial and good that they can offer the world. Now, I also believe that most of us die before we can actually capitalize on whatever that thing is. So what I would suggest for anybody is ask yourself, what is that one thing that you do that other people value that they will pay you for? And once you find out what that thing is, start pursuing it aggressively, whether it's full time or on the side does not matter. Start pursuing it aggressively. And, and the reason for that is not even because of the money that you might get if you say need to make it a full time job. The reason I say that is because that's the thing that actually brings you joy. We don't do enough of the things that bring us joy. And that saddens me because like for me, the speaking, the training, the podcasting, I get such a thrill from it. Like every day is freaking fun for me. And it just so happens that I get paid to do it. So that's the first thing I would say is find that thing that you do that people really, really value a lot. Because if they value it enough, they'll pay you for it. And even if you're not ready to be paid for it yet, when you start to do more of it, it'll bring you joy. And the reason that's important is because if you're going through the, sh <clears throat> the stuff... <laughs> You have this other thing that can kind of bring you some joy while you're going through it. But also, if you need to pivot, you already have one step in that direction. And so it can help you with your plan 
you know, if something goes wrong, but it also can keep you happy and content in the moment. That would be my suggestion. Um, have you ever considered a different career? <laughs> so, okay. You mean other than audit? Yes. So the, Honestly, the other career that I thought I actually wanted other than something audit and process improvement related was actually public speaking or training. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So for, I don't, we've, we did it and I have to say, I haven't kept up with it. The Friday Froster was a ton of fun. Wasn't that like, it's it's been like a ton of fun. Yeah. And you created and a community. That's the fun part. <laughs> but, yeah, but that's have, what I mean. Yeah. We have Hal out there sending us stories. We've got like jokes going back and forth about Florida man. Like one thing is, um, and you know, this is gonna be my one dig on lawyers today. I'll only give one dig on lawyers. It's like we can make our work fun. And we are going to remember the fun stuff. We aren't going to remember the statistic, the number of percentage of something. We're going to remember that, oh, my God, Rob taught us something really fun. And now I know that, like, training can be fun. The only the only thing about bad training is I'll never go to that person again. No. To, to your point, it is a lot of fun, but you know what? Okay, let's let's bring this let's bring this whole question thing full circle. So I, I'll tell you, this is why it's so important to me. And and so I grew up extremely poor, and all of us we tried to figure out how to get out of being poor, and so we would sit around and we would daydream and we would plan. But most of our planning involved asking questions like, what can we do? So, like, for example, I've got one cousin who owns his own auto body company. And ever since we were young, he was good with cars. And so he said, OK, this is going to be the thing that I do, you know. And so for me, I always thought this was my thought. I thought that. I wanted to help companies do whatever they do better. I didn't know how I was going to do that. And I didn't know what that meant. But, and this is a true story. I said to myself, how can I get me an education and what kind of education do I need to get out of this circumstance that I'm in? And so everybody kept saying, well, you should be an accountant. And I said, you know what? I probably should, but not for the reasons that they thought. So Everybody was talking about how CPAs get paid a lot of money, but truthfully, I hate numbers. I am a CPA, but I hate numbers. I remember something that my my grandmother used to tell me, and she used to say, if you follow the money, you can tell what's important to people. And so for me, I actually went to school, got an undergraduate degree in accounting, knowing that I never really wanted to do accounting work. I'm actually a certified public accountant. I knew that I never wanted to do accounting work. But what I did know is you could tell what was important to people and or a company based on where and how they spent their money. So 
asking that critical question, what kind of degree can I get that would open doors for me was one way that I got out. The other thing I knew was I knew that just by having a CPA license, people would look at me with a different air of respect. You know, there are certain professions that people look at with respect. And I knew that just having a CPA license, people would look at me with respect. But I knew I never really wanted to crunch numbers. I know how to. And I understand. So that's what I mean. When you ask yourself questions, you start to come up with creative solutions to problems. Yeah. I mean, I ask questions all the time. And if I don't ask them out loud, sometimes I don't ask them out loud. I'll ask them to myself. Like, why is that person doing that? Like, that doesn't make sense. And I would have to say both my children are very curious. Um, And I think it's just because, you know, they've seen my curiosity and um that's how i got a job as a special agent i picked up the phone and we've talked about this before like things happen but you have to be willing to pick up the phone to walk through you know to ask like every good thing i'm gonna say that's happened in my career was because i asked i didn't sit back i actually asked and they're like you know so um you mentor a lot of people, don't you? Yes, you do. Um, yeah, you do. He does. He's being very, very humble right now. He mentors a lot of people. Um, some people, I think you don't even realize you're mentoring by all the content that you put out on LinkedIn. Just seeing your content, oh, I think, gets people to think. Like, And then they may not ask you the question out loud, but it causes them to ask the question within themselves. So, um, uh, and again, you've been great on social media, but we've got to flip it a little bit to, okay, not only the fraud retreat, which we will be at this summer, everyone. So, and it's going to sell out. Like it absolutely will sell out. It sold out last year. Um, uh, but what was my question? Oh my gosh. I have totally had a little bit of a brain blip here. Um, uh, Asking questions. Okay, what what was my question, Rob? I'm so embarrassed that I've forgotten it. Broad retreat. Uh... Oh, fraud and pop culture. Because I know ah. you like pop culture. You are good at pop culture. Um, have you seen or read anything lately or listened to anything lately that you want to share with the audience that maybe you even posted about it? I, I know you're hip and you're out and about. Oh, well, you know, so there's a, hmm. Oh, man, I can't think of the name of it now. Um, I actually read a book, not uh, um, a fiction book about artificial intelligence. I'm in a book club. I'm in a virtual book club and we read books all the time. But, oh, man, I wish I could think of the name of it right now. Um, The author was came to the book club with us. But oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it, it actually, it really is. But the book is a fictional piece of work about AI. However, I could imagine a lot of what happened in the book actually happening at some point. Because we really have to ask ourselves some critical questions about AI. How much is too much? Can we rein it in? Will it ever get out of control? But yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm going to... Um, I'm going to see if I can look that up and, and tell you the name of it. Better yet, I'll tell you afterwards and then you can, can put, put it, it in the I'll notes. Put it or in something. The show notes. Yeah. yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so, so, what other podcasts besides Fraudish do you listen to? Ooh, ooh. Um, Diary of a CEO. 
Oh, I just started that. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, I listen to that one uh, probably once a week. I'll come and catch up with it. Some other ones I listen to your audience may not be interested in because I listen to political podcasts a lot. Like I'm trying to figure out what's going on in the world. And so um, I don't because it's a crazy world. And so I listen to, uh, I guess, what you would consider both left and white right wing stuff. Yeah. Because to me, the truth is somewhere in the middle. So I listen to a lot of political podcasts, but I don't want to trigger anyone if I say certain names and they'll be like, oh, I can't believe you listen to that. Uh, (laughs) Do you listen to Hard Fork? Sometimes, you know, I'm just getting into that one because I think either you or Joe mentioned it last year. And um, but I also read a lot. So when I wake up, usually in the mornings, I'll hit um, what is it? The the CFO brew. And what's their other one? The Daily Brew, I think they have. Then I'll hop over to the New York Post and then I'll hit uh, just for fun. I'll hit the Daily Mail. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Just for fun. Um, And then I'll hit CNN and Fox um, because, you know, they're on opposing ends of the spectrum. And then for me, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Like they both swing their own ways. Right. So. Um, Okay, so I picture you to be a habit person. You probably have some pretty good habits, don't you? You know, here's the thing. I used to. Um, So, yeah. So I would say prior to 2020, I was an extremely structured person. I woke up at the same time every day. I did the exact same thing. Then when the pandemic hit, I was still pretty structured for that first year. But um you know, without having a job and any income and all that good stuff, I didn't have a home to go to. So I was bouncing around a little bit, uh, you know, with friends and family. So it's hard to be structured when your your living situation is so chaotic. And I would say it hasn't been until recently that I've started to get that structure back. But I would say for about 20 years of my adult life, same thing every day. Wake up the same time, exercise, eat at the same time. Yeah, I like structure. Um, okay, I'm also showing Rob this on um, the camera. It's called the Brain Shift Journal. And this is from my two great friends, um, Tim Houlihan and Kurt Nelson. And uh, I, I've started this for 2024. And uh, here's a quote from Charles Duhigg, who's the author of Power of Habits. And once you understand that habits can change, you have the freedom and the responsibility to remake them. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I love structure. I can't stand not having structure. But part of like this is like I'm going to figure out which habits work better because I think I have good habits. And I also think everyone has some bad habits. But I would picture that you had that you were I think most auditors are pretty good at structure and habits. Yeah, I I think you kind of have to be. But I also think that on the other side of that is once the pattern is broken, it frustrates us. And sometimes it's hard to go back uh, because sometimes you wallow in regret. Oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. So my message to auditors would be move on, develop some new habits, get some new things in place and don't live in the regret. 
Oh my God, this is so funny. And you guys, this is like, so like, we didn't talk much about this before. Um, this is from Travis Bradbury. Uh, he's a people scientist, best-selling author. Humans are creatures of habit. If you quit when things get tough, it gets that much easier to quit the next time. On the other hand, if you force yourself to push through it, the grit begins to grow in you. The, yeah, there are some habits like push-ups for me. Hate them. Hate them. I can't tell you how much I hate them. But like do them. Like it, it's just and it's it's forcing. The other thing is, I bet you're good at tracking. Are you good at tracking? It depends on what we're tracking. <laughs> okay. Measuring, <laughs> tracking. I I'm gonna say you're better than average because look at you're very like you're on LinkedIn all the time. And I bet that's a schedule. Like do you time block? Yeah. So, and that's the thing. I'm not as structured as to where I have to post at the exact same time every day, but I do have a range. As long as I get it within this time frame, then I feel good. I would say when I was younger, though, it, it was to the point where it was um, a bit much. Things had to be at this time. And then I was like, wait a minute. It doesn't have to be. You have to give yourself wiggle room because, you know, change always happens. So I like to call it um, structured flexibility. Oh, I like that. Structured flexibility. Um, the other thing, and this is one of my soap opera or soapbox things, um, is that you don't use Facebook or uh, LinkedIn as a billboard. It is actually to be helpful. There are people out there that use it as a billboard, like, hey, look what I went to. I rarely see you say, if ever, hey, look what I did without the following of, and this is what I learned, or this is who I met, or like, like you know that LinkedIn can be a billboard, and it also can be, you know, very much sharing is caring. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I think that comes from my grandmother. Um, I don't know. She just said that that you. She told me you have to always spread your message to people. Like so, for example, when we met in twenty, what was that? Twenty twenty one or twenty twenty? In person, yeah, in twenty twenty one. But we had been LinkedIn buddies for a long time. Yeah, but even when we met on LinkedIn, um, when we started doing the podcast. I can't remember. Was that 2020 or 2021? Um, I think it's 2021. I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically, that was like one of the worst times of my life. But nobody knew because my grandmother would say, whenever you're going through a mess, you have a message for somebody else. And so the the bigger my mess was the more i was just out there continuing to spread my message so i think that we learn from everything so if you see me say yeah i went to this conference i'll say this is what i learned yeah. because i think that that's the message and you know whether stuff is good or bad there's always a message somewhere in the stuff that we do okay so as we round up we have to have rob's wisdom and it's going to be two different wisdoms uh oh uh, your first wisdom is someone that is going into audit as a young, new career. What is the best thing you can tell them as a new auditor, fresh out of school, 
what is the best advice you can give them? Ooh, stay curious, but, and, and that's curiosity on multiple levels. Cause like I, I say this a lot. I say every auditor should study psychology because it really is about understanding how people think and how they react to stuff. And so stay curious about people, stay curious about the industry that you're in and don't be afraid to ask questions. Cause another thing I say is there is no such thing as a stupid question. And people try to argue with me on this, but see, this is, this is how I always combat this. Okay. So now if someone asks you a question and you think that they are stupid, then I think that there is something wrong with you. And here's why. So this person has gotten up the courage to ask you a question. Not only did they get up the courage, but they asked the person that in their opinion is the smartest and best and most capable person to answer the question. So this person just paid you the highest compliment in the land and you now look at them with some sort of disdain. Something is wrong with you if you literally believe that there is a such thing as a stupid question. Now, I believe you might be asking the wrong person a question or you might be asking the question at the wrong time. And there's some other elements to that, but there is no such thing as a stupid question. So stay curious. Okay. Now, the other question is, I'm going to say um, an end of career audit professional. What advice would you give them, whether it's forced or they choose to leave the industry? What is the best advice you can give them? And let's just say they're not retiring. They're having to they're having to either leave the industry or they're wanting to leave the industry. What is the best advice you could give them? Oh, wait, they don't want to be an auditor anymore. Um, yes, they, they're leaving audit. Oh, because they're leaving audit either because they're pushed out because they stepped in it or th they've been riffed or whatever. And they've just decided audit is no longer me because I, I obviously you're an auditor and I think of you as an auditor, but I think of you as a lot more than an auditor. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's the thing. I think that if somebody's in that kind of situation, they need to ask themselves, do they really want to leave audit? Because if you really don't want to leave audit, I would say, build up your social media presence and become a freelancer. Because what's happening is there's so few talented auditors out there, but yet the world of freelancers is opening up and you get paid more as a freelancer. You get to choose the projects you work on and you get to just go in and do the work. You get to just do it. You don't have to worry about the politics and all the other nonsense that's associated with it. So I would say if you truly want to stay in it and you feel like you're being forced out, build up your social media presence, build up your network, get to know people and start billing yourself out as a freelancer, because there's a world of people out there that could capitalize on your knowledge and experience. Now, if you want to leave the profession, I said that earlier, figure out what that thing is that you do really well, that makes you happy, that people value and start trying to do it. I, I, I kid you not, the podcast, the speaking, the this is I'm having fun. Like, this is so much fun every day. It's just fun. Even the um, even the, the social media. So even now, I actually ghost write for some people on social media now, too, because apparently I'm a decent writer. Yes, you are. So, well, OK, so this is interesting because I'm not an auditor, even though, as I told Trent Russell, I probably should have been an auditor is I would have never thought, you know, at the beginning of my career and I had a bad audit experience at the beginning of my career. Um 
is that there would be freelance auditors. But I know so many now. And like, yeah, I wouldn't have thought, however many years ago, I'm not going to age myself, of the audit market being freelance. You know, you think of graphics and writers and things like that, but not audit. But yeah, I'm seeing a ton of it. Well, and you got to think, so if you look at internal auditing, all it is is consulting. You're not looking at the numbers. You're not doing financial statement audit. But see, I think that's where um, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants really screwed the pooch when it comes to um, developing CPAs for the future. So there's a shortage of CPAs. And most people think that internal auditors are actually CPAs, which that is totally untrue. But if there's a shortage of CPAs and most people think that CPAs become internal auditors, then there's going to be a shortage in auditors. But also those CPAs focus on the numbers and internal auditing is about people, processes and technology. So you have and some CPAs are going to get mad at me when I say this, but you have some ill-equipped CPAs who understand financial statements trying to do internal auditing. So not only do you have a shortage, but you also have people who don't understand what it means to be an internal auditor. And so hence the rise of the freelance auditor. I was at a training, I don't know, seven years ago, and I was sitting next to a woman younger, much younger than me. And, um, you know, two day training, we were talking to each other and she was a performance auditor and I had never heard the term. I thought it was numbers. And you know what? Now she's an auditor for a city and she's doing great work. Like she was the first one. And I've coached and mentored a lot of people. And I've said, consider audit. And they're like, I'm not good with numbers. And I'm like, there's this thing that's called performance auditing or technology auditing. Like people immediately assume audit is numbers. And yeah, the IIA needs to, I don't know if they need to, but like, it's a bigger basket than numbers. It's so much a bigger basket than numbers. Yep. Um, and people need to understand that in college. Yeah. And that's why I say they, they've done a horrible job of actually letting people know what it is. Because the biggest thing now in internal auditing is cybersecurity. Yeah. So yeah. that and data analytics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rob, thank you so much for coming on Fraudish. And I can't believe that I didn't realize you hadn't been on, even though we had done so many podcasts before. Um, I will see Rob this uh, August at Fraud Retreat. You guys get your tickets because I promise Rob knows I am not a betting person. I bet it will sell out. Oh, it's going to sell out. Yeah. If it hasn't already. And you guys get to meet Rob in in person and you can ask him a question. Oh, I'm underwhelming in person. (laughs) No, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was fun. (laughs) 